0: Welcome to The Goddess Diaries with your host, Dawn Champagne. Come explore what it means to be a modern woman who dares to remember her sacred self. Hello, hello, hello. This is Dawn, your hostess and the creatrix of The Goddess Diaries Radio, and this is your place for daring to remember your sacred self. Thank you for coming along. If you haven't done so already, I invite you to download your three free goddess gifts back at my blog when you sign up for my newsletter. You can think of this as your toolkit for unleashing your inner goddess and daring to remember your sacred self. You can find it at www.thegoddessdiaries.org. And I've also included a link in the description page here. So please sign up. I send the newsletter out every Monday. Oh, my gosh. Are you guys like just, Super excited about the upcoming new moon, spring equinox, solar eclipse, um, super moon. <laughs> I cannot believe it is happening on Friday, March 20th we are set to relish in a super rare cosmic event. And it is everything that I just said. It's a new moon, solar eclipse, it's spring equinox. And the other interesting thing about this particular placement is that the moon, it will be a new moon in Pisces on the 29th degree of Pisces, which is an interesting aspect. Um, because the twenty ninth degree in astrology a karmic significance it's the end of a cycle and it represents um it represents the area of life that remains unsatisfied and the way that I'm interpreting and what I'm reading out there what other astrologers have also said is that this particular new moon being that it is a new moon entering on the 29th degree of Pisces is ideal for letting go of any area of your life that you are unsatisfied with. It's, you know, the solar eclipse energy. This is a really powerful, powerful time. Um, new beginnings, letting go of the old. I mean, it is highly, highly transformational. And it's kind of scary, I'm not going to lie, with Saturn going retrograde um at around, you know, right now, uh there's a lot of a lot of energies out there right now that are asking us to step up to the plate and embody the transformation that is so required of us in order to elevate, to grow, to evolve, to ascend, if you will. But this energy is going to be so powerful and I can already feel it. I can already feel the buildup that's happening. And because it is a super rare event, I wanted to just very quickly say that I know a lot of people in the Manifesting with the Moon e-course, which I offer online. Um, In this last cycle, the participants have been having a really good time just going through the entire lunar cycle and discovering how they can manifest with the moon. And so with this next cycle, oh my gosh, we have so many opportunities for growth, empowerment, of manifesting the life of our dreams. And so, anyway, in case you would like additional support in your moon journey, your manifesting with the moon journey, I invite you to join us for the next round of manifesting with the moon. And I have a special discount for you. If you stick around and listen at the end, I will give you the coupon code that you can use to get $30 off for this month's lunar cycle of manifesting with the moon. It's going to be a powerful one, you guys. I am so excited about it, so thrilled, and cannot wait and it's just been a really fun experiment since I started this course um back in January of 2014 it's been a really fun experiment every month we get really clear on our goals we discover hidden blocks that keep us from achieving our desires we cultivate self-love we examine our limiting beliefs we release them and it's really what i've discovered over this time is that as women Journeying through the cycles in this way connects us to our sensuality, to our manifesting power, to our womb space, which is where all of creation begins, is in our womb space. And out of it, we discover not only spiritual ways, but practical ways of embodying the energy that is inherent to all feminine you know, all women in it's that feminine energy. And as women, when we realize that we are the grand creatrixes of this universe, this universe, and that out of chaos we can create calm, that You know surrendering to the natural flow and rhythm of the universe makes life easier so as we journey through the lunar cycle we discover that we don't have to work hard it's not required to work hard but surrendering to the natural flow of the universe we start to see that we have everything we want we can get anything we want and yes each cycle of the of manifesting with the moon is a bit different because it is based on the prev- um the prevailing energies of that particular lunar transit but each cycle gives us an opportunity for huge growth and we are manifesting miracles so i would love to have you join us in the next round it starts on friday march 20th that totally auspicious day of huge portal of opportunity. So anyway, I can't promise you that you will manifest everything that your heart desires in the 29 and a half days that we do this, but I can promise you that it will be powerful, that you will have a shift in your perspective and that it will be part of a transformational experience that you will be participating in. So anyway, I hope that you do join us and stick around, listen to the end of the show for that coupon code, and I am also excited to get started on the topic of this show because I don't have a script lined out for you. I'm just kind of going off the cuff here, speaking off the top of my head, but in this episode of the Goddess Diaries Radio, I wanted to talk about the goddess origins of Easter customs because i find you know it's it's funny to me um i've i've been aware i guess of the pagan traditions for many different holidays that we um as a western civilization uh that we celebrate and um i've been i've been aware of the pagan traditions for a long time or the pagan roots i should say for a long time but it, and so it's still kind of funny to me when I come across someone who is unaware of the origins of why we do what we do, and it it's something that I guess I I do need to talk about, because um, even though I don't think that I do, I guess I do, so <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about this, because a lot of the traditions and rites that we practice today come to us from ancient customs, that actually have their roots in goddess worship. And I don't know if you um, remember or if you listened to the the first or second episode of the Goddess Diaries radio in which I was talking about mythic inversion, but um, we deal with mythic inversion a lot in our culture. I mean, it is everywhere in our culture. Um, every, everything from, you know, this, You know, the customs, the traditions that we practice and celebrate um, to the stories that were told about the heroes that we have followed and tracked and worshipped, you know, the ways in which gods and goddesses were um, portrayed in our storytelling—you know—it's it's all part of mythic inversion. And basically, what mythic inversion is—it's a—it's the uh, flipping of, you know, like, for instance, the goddess stories, um, where the goddess was the hero. When patriarchy set in, they took those stories and they flipped them around so that the goddess was no longer revered, but the God was. And there's a lot of it. Um, you know, sometimes you, you come across a particular story like Pandora's box. For instance, I did an episode on Pandora. Um, and you just kind of wonder, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know, but if if you are a woman who has gone through experiences like, um, oh, being I don't know, maybe marrying uh for achievement or or whatever um and you re- I, I i it happens in our culture, it still happens okay, a lot of people don't marry for love, they marry because it would serve their families better in the case of Pandora for instance um, you know she was married off, and she had anyway you can listen to the episode, but she was married off um and i think that that story was um i'm i'm stumbling here but <laughs> anyway i think that story was a huge victim of mythic inversion because the box is actually um it represents something that a lot of women can relate to if they really think about it if they really go in and listen to that episode i'll have the link for you in the description here at Block Talk Radio. But let me get back on track here. Okay, so we are coming up to Equinox. Friday, March 20th is Ostara on the Pagan Wheel of the Year. And Ostara, also known as Spring Equinox, when the days and the nights are of equal balance. And it was at this time of year that um, we celebrate, in ancient times at least, we would celebrate the renewal. And and it was actually considered at one time the new year. And a lot of the traditions that we participate in during this time were kind of conglomerated and tied together together and co-opted and um, brought together to help people to convert from one way of thinking to another. And what I would like to do is talk about the actual goddess origins of this holiday. So Ostara, or Spring Equinox, Ostara is the ancient pagan holiday, and it has its roots in we can trace it back to the germanic um holiday of or, or or sorry we can trace it back to the Germanic goddess named Istra and her name was spelled e o s t r e and ostara is derivative of her name um, of course, her whole gig was a fertility goddess she was the goddess of springtime, of fertility, of new life, of regeneration, renewal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But something that I saw floating around on Facebook and I actually posted it to the Goddess Diaries um Facebook page was a little meme that some people have put together to dispel the or to share the truth of Easter, if you will. And it says um I'm going to read it here. It says, Easter was originally the celebration of Ishtar, or Easter, the Assyrian and Babylonian goddess of fertility and sex. Her symbols, like the egg and bunny, were and still are fertility and sex symbols, or did you actually think the eggs and bunnies had anything to do with the resurrection? After Constantine decided to Christianize the empire, Easter was changed to represent Jesus, but at its roots, Easter, which is how you pronounce, all about celebrating fertility and sex. And this is partly true. (laughs) This is partly true. Um, First of all, Ishtar, or Easter, was the goddess of war, Protection, childbirth marriage um, and sex, because her cult practiced sacred sexuality or p- sacred prostitution, where women uh, in the temples would have sex with a stranger in exchange for a divine blessing. Um, the blessing could be money, could be you know to feed hungry children, but the book. When God Was a Woman by Merlin Stone goes into great detail about this. Oh my gosh, if you have not read that book, I encourage you to get it because it is a great detailed account of how patriarchy came in and smashed the matriarchal culture and took many of their uh, traditions and customs and incorporated them into their own, such as Easter. And um, there's actual written accounts and historical records um, outlined in this book that details how it actually happened. And yes, it is controversial. I know that um, some have said that that is not true, that it is not historical or accurate, has no historical accuracy, whatever. But um, when the author is quoting resources such as the Bible, um, you kind of wonder, you know, what? wait a minute, what's going on here? But anyway, When God Was a Woman by Merlin Stone, excellent book, talks all about Ishtar, Easter, I always say Ishtar because that's what it looks like to me. But Easter and her customs and how patriarchy smashed the matriarchy. But anyway, so Easter, we're coming up to spring break, which is the time also of Easter. Um, And I wanted to talk about Easter eggs. Easter eggs. Let me get back on track here. Okay. So Ishtar was the goddess of love, war, sex, fertility, childbirth, marriage. Um, She had so many different things that she was associated with. And her symbols were the lion. And so you hear the phrase um, march in like a lamb or in like a lion out like a lamb. And that is because, well, not necessarily because of the stormy weather, that march has but think about this this is the time of easter this is the time of ishtar and when i say easter i'm saying i mean the goddess easter ishtar her energy is that of love and war and passion and we feel that energy in the weather you know it's the transition from winter time to spring and we get a lot of winds and the phrase, in like a lion, out like a lamb, actually refers back to her because her symbol is both lion and lamb. She, um, the lion, obviously for protection and fierceness and boundaries, uh, but the lamb also because she was compassionate and, and kind and loving and had that nice loving energy. And if you think about it, March is, all of that, it is in like a lion, out like a lamb. Usually, the weather is anyway. Um, but these are symbols of power, the lion and the lamb. The lion, fierce, protectress, boundaries. The lamb, love, compassion, you know. Um, what is that phrase, uh Oh, my gosh, I totally went blank. I'm sorry. Okay, so anyway, let's just get back on track here. (laughs) So what I've discovered about that particular meme that I actually posted on Facebook is that um, there's a a huge gap in there in terms of tracing the lineage from Ishtar Easter to modern-day Easter customs because – The word Easter does not appear to be derived from her name. But like I said, from the German Istra, the goddess of renewal or the goddess of dawn, she is the bringer of light, Istra is. And um, English and German are minority languages that use the word Easter to mark the holiday. But everywhere else, Um, the holiday Easter was actually framed as Pasha, which is derived from the Hebrew Pishach, which means Passover. So Ishtar and Easter, Easter and Easter, um, are similar in a lot of ways, but they do have actually different meanings. Um, But... There was that, and then there was the ancient Egyptians who believed um, in different fertility rites as well. So we have this conglomeration of all these different goddess cultures, and what I want to talk about right now is how um, the Easter egg became part of an Eastern tradi- Easter tradition, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any sense to me, but... If we think about it, a lot of different cultures um, see the egg as a symbol of fertility. And in fact, it is. I mean, hello, it hatches forth new life. Even within the human cycles and the human systems, you know, um, estrogen itself, you know, the ovaries produce estrogen and estrogen is spelled just like Istra, the goddess of renewal and fertility. But anyway, there's a lot of different cultures that recognize this. And so um, in uh, Egyptology, it's believed that a primeval egg hatched the sun god. And in Zoroastrian religion, the creation myth tells of a, a, you know, fight between good and evil. And... um, there is a fight in which the God of evil hurls himself into an abyss and he lays an egg, (laughs) which represents the universe with the earth suspended from the vault of the sky. Um, In China, there are lots of legends about the cosmic egg, um, which is the egg of the universe. And, In Vedic teachings, um, again, we have the whole cosmic egg concept again where um, it's like the universe but the spirit realm where we are born, we die, we're reborn. And even in Hindu religions and – sorry, Hindu tradition and other traditions, Buddhism, um, the egg is – seen as a symbol of fertility so it does it does make some sense then that it would carry over into the christian tradition but not so much when you're celebrating the resurrection of the spirit of the son of god (laughs) Um, because there was no mention of women in that story and that's what makes it confusing well The reason why it's confusing is because people co-opted that, took it from the goddess culture, and tried to make it their own. But it doesn't work, and it doesn't fit, and it doesn't make sense because of that missing element. Oh, we forgot to tell you this was from this ancient goddess tradition, uh, this fertility, right, this fertility cycle. And by the way, um, yeah, that's what we did. (laughs) So anyway, I know I feel like I'm just rambling here, but um going back to Easter, the goddess Ishtar, who was um whose cults were made up of sacred whores, I want to talk about that. And I wonder how much of that particular verbiage is also part of the the um mythic inversion because when they come in to take the old stories and change them to suit their agenda specific themes, words and ideas can be changed around in order to i guess make their 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 um to, to achieve their goals, you know, which is to get everybody on board with their ideas. And so they have to you know, make it um, shameful, I guess, in order for someone to want to look away from those old stories. But the truth of the matter is that when you at the word sacred whore, what does that evoke for you? What does that mean? I often wonder about this. I often wonder, you know, how much of it was just um, the patriarchy trying to shame these women who were strong priestesses of the goddess Ishtar Easter and vilify them and make them less than what they really are, make them, um, you know, uh, varmints in the, in the society. And that's a pretty strong word, whore. That is a very strong word. But what I would like to point out or what I think about um, this whole story is that I don't know if they were whores. I don't know that um was such a dirty thing back then. I don't know that, you know, fertility rights or sex or sexuality was seen as um, something shameful or or something that you shouldn't do and in fact, I think in the ancient tradition, it was recognized as life force and life giving and so here's something that I've been thinking about lately. So it started back in January. This is um, just a personal anecdote. But back in January, I had a dream that I needed to start working with a carnelian yoni egg. <laughs> and if you're unfamiliar with what a yoni egg is, it is um, – it's a, it's like a Benoit ball <laughs> is what it is. it is. It's a – Stone or a crystal that's been polished and shaped into an egg that women use uh, to strengthen their vaginal muscles. You insert the stone, and through Kegel exercises, um, you strengthen the yoni. Now, the yoni is the entire reproductive system. It strengthens and tones the yoni, not just the vagina. However, it does strengthen the vaginal walls um the depending on what what kind of stone you use you can also um take your exercises a little bit deeper um on the on the energetic level and not the physical level but the energetic level and do some energetic healing as well or toning and strengthening or whatever it is that your objectives are um uh, <clears throat> so the yoni egg um I had this dream that I needed to work with this carnelian yoni egg. So it set me off on this journey. Um, and I talked about it briefly in in the cu- last couple of episodes with uh, Priestess Brandy Elset and also Sensuality and the Art of Manifesting with the Moon. Um, but it was something new for me. And here I am... Um, I feel like I'm I'm pretty healthy. I'm okay healthy, um, but this was something new, and I and I knew though that because it had come to me in a dream that I needed to pursue this and and find out why my subconscious was telling me that I needed to work with this, and I think that I figured it out. But um, the truth of the matter is, is that I am 42 years old. I'm perimenopausal, and um, this is not something that my culture my white woman culture really ever talks about ever 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 <laughs> the yoni i mean we we giggle about it when we when we talk about it or at least i do with you know with my friends i feel like a 12 year old you know sn- giggle snickering about it but anyway um so i i started to look it up and i discovered a lot of information you know our culture is the only culture in which women don't do this. We don't exercise our vaginas like other cultures do like i mean, and this is a common thing in asian cultures and um even even african americans african American culture is a big thing um so I was kind of surprised by that, you know. And and then I discovered that it is very common for white women in America or Western civilization to have prolapsed uterus, um, incontinence, um, vaginal atrophy, all of these things that we just don't talk about. We don't exercise our yonis. And it is a sad, sad thing. And it is actually, it is uncommon When you look at it on a global scale, it is uncommon for a woman's uterus to fall out. I mean, seriously, people, this is not normal. And yet I know a lot of women in my community, a lot of women that I speak to or have spoken with who have had prolapsed uterus have had their uterus removed because of it. And it all goes back to the fact that we don't exercise our yonis. And here's the thing. The best thing for you to do to exercise the yoni is to have sex. the number one way to strengthen and tone your vagina. And if you can't do that, the next best thing is Kegels. But the problem with Kegels is that we've been told all along the wrong way to do it, at least in our Country in America, Western civilization um, we've been told that you need to squeeze your vaginal muscles like as if you were you were going you know you're urinating and you stop the flow of urination um if you can do that, you know then you know you're squeezing the right muscles, but the problem is that you're not supposed to do that, you're not supposed to stop the flow because then you can um cause yourself to have urinary tract infections, and all sorts of problems, bladder infections. And so you're supposed to do it when you're not urinating, okay? So herein lies the problem. Women can't identify that particular muscle unless they are doing it, or at least that is often the case, okay? So um, so then it turns out you are exercising the wrong muscles, Either um, the the abdominal muscles or the buttocks, and so you're not really exercising the vaginal walls. So what Kegel, the doctor who invented this exercise, actually said was um, he used a device inside the vagina to measure. This whole exercise and the strength of the vaginal wall and all that stuff and and then, um somehow, along the line, doctors everywhere decided that you didn't need that that tool <laughs> because it was a measuring device they didn't they didn't make the connection, I guess I don't know, but anyway, um, so all this time, we've been doing it wrong, and yet, in all these other cultures where women have strong vaginas, they use tools. They use Benoit balls or, or whatever, Yoni eggs or whatever it is that they use. And um yeah, and so they have fewer incidents of of these horrible, embarrassing problems that occur. So anyway, I had this dream back in January. Actually I had the dream in December. In January I started my search. I found some. They weren't exactly the ones that I needed to work with and so I had a couple of different stones that I started working with, and I've had some immense shifts in perception. I've discovered a lot about myself. Once I started working with these yoni eggs, I started with the um, rose quartz, and then I went on to blue calcite and then carnelian. And there's a long story about that. You can check out my blog about it because I don't want to get into it here, but um Yeah, and it's just opened my eyes to this whole new world. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, what would the world be like if women everywhere, women everywhere, (laughs) operated from the mentality that a strong Yoni universe. And then it got me to thinking about these sacred whores of Ishtar's cult. You know, like, were they really sacred whores? Or were they just women who were in touch with their sensuality, with their sexuality, with their yonis? Were they women who cared for themselves from this space of creation? Because I do believe that all creation starts in the yoni, whether it's an idea, whether it's a project, whether it's a child, you know, I mean, all of creation, it starts from this space energetically. And so, what better way to um, debilitate an entire gender than to vilify it by saying that they were whores? You know what? What better way? And yeah, somehow the Easter egg survives <laughs> through all of this. But I wanted to talk about this because. I think that it's very important for women to strengthen that area of their bodies because that area, not only is it the space of all creation, but it is the core of who you are. I mean, if you think about it, your core strength is in this area. And if you have weak core muscles, um, you you end up with all kinds of health issues. But, you know, energetically from your chakras, your you're dealing with your sacral chakra and your solar plexus chakra and your root chakra. These lower three chakras are what ground you into this here and now and give you the power and the strength to do what you need to do in this physical realm. And so anyway, so I got to thinking about all of this stuff and I, and I just thought, you know, I don't think that it was so much that it was a cult of sacred whores as it was the vilification of an entire gender and it suited the patriarchy and and so it stuck but i would like to challenge you to look into working with yoni eggs and taking back and reclaiming that for yourself and reclaiming and strengthening your yoni and yes i still have that little inner 12-year-old boy inside of me that wants to giggle when i think about it but you know what um the more i talk about it the more i am able to really truly embrace this idea and embrace this this um not not just the idea but em- or embrace it but just embody this idea that this is something really important ladies that we need to really Really, consider this seriously, and really get into it um and i'm not I'm not one to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't do, but I really want to say that we should do this. I feel that strongly about it, and so anyway. This whole spiel started with the origins of Easter customs and the traditions and rites that we practice today that come to us from the ancient customs that have their roots in goddess worship. But let's not forget that the goddess is all about self-empowerment and that the goddess is all about self-love and self-care. And I do believe, I'm going to start calling them Ishtar eggs, But I do believe that these yoni eggs, these Ishtar eggs are sacred tools of self-care and that we can really connect not only to an empowered source within us, but that inner goddess and that we can embody that energy and then it can help us live a better life, just plain and simple, live a better life. And so I guess the lesson Ishtar has for us, what I have been pondering lately and what I think you probably um, might want to ponder as well is, you know, care for the yoni like the world depends on it because I really truly believe it does. So ladies, reclaim your sacred space, take it back, work on it. Strengthen it. Exercise it. And if you already do, I would love to hear your stories. I would love to hear about how you work with the ony Eggs and what your experience has been. And if you could go to my website and or send me an email at dawn at org, I would love to hear about it. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, the energy of this season, we have spring is upon us the season of Ishtar, of Easter, of new beginnings, renewal, strength, and regeneration. Season is here, in like a lion, out like a lamb. Welcome, welcome Ishtar, Easter. So if you've been listening all along and want to know what the coupon code is for the Manifesting with the Moon e-course that I promised would be at the end of the show, um, you can... Get it now. The coupon code is <laughs> dun, dun dun It's Moon Magic. M-O-O-N-M-A-G-I-C-K. And you can find the link back at the description page here to participate in that next session. Or you can go to my blog and just enter coupon code Moon Magic at the checkout. But I want to thank you guys for joining me for this episode. This has been kind of an awkward discussion because I didn't have any pre-written script and I just kind of went off the top of my head. But, you know, it happens. And yet I feel very passionately about this. So I do hope that you get in touch with me and share with me your experience on working with the Yoni Egg Um, But this does wrap up another episode of the Goddess Diaries Radio. I do hope to see you at the next Manifesting with the Moon Circle. And I want to thank you. Oh, by the way, thank you guys for rating the show back at iTunes. I really appreciate it. Not only does your ratings help others find this podcast, but it also helps to spread the word of the feminine divine. We are spreading goddess stories every time you rate this show. And, of course, I love your ratings, so thanks. (laughs) But until next time, you guys are fabulous. I love you to the moon and back. Thank you for coming along.